wrestling. Thank you for having me. Um, for most of my episodes, I like starting it off talking about academia, mm. just because the main focus is people who are in college. Right. So, first of all, I just want to go into, again, uh, high school background, uh, college background, major, and just like the general gist of what you're doing uh, academic-wise. Um, I actually realized yesterday that Adam doesn't didn't go to Brooklyn Tech. Mm. I thought he went to Tech. <clears throat> he was at Bronx Science. Right. He used to go to high school with me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, we used to know each other back then. We used to have a couple classes. So I did go to Bronx Science for my high school mm-hmm. here. I'm at Stony Brook for college, and I'm majoring in economics with a minor in dance. I didn't know you had a minor in dance. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, it is It is pretty cool. Um, I started off taking a couple classes just because I used to be in the health science track, mm-hmm. and I would kind of Really? When were you in the health science track? I didn't know that. It was my first two years here. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then I would need the dance classes to kind of cut my schedule, so okay. I would want to go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then it just ended up being like, the dance um, the dance instructor was like, yeah, you might as well just... Take the mind. You're like, you've already taken so many classes, you might as well go with it. Right. Okay. So for specialized high school, I'm assuming your parents probably pushed you into it, or like, you know, like, not not pushed, like not forced, but like, mm. like they've heavily reinforced, you know, taking the SHSAT and going to the specialized high school and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, my parents have like a strange way of teaching where they will not necessarily like force me, but in a way, they did force They'll me to take the SHSAT. You. Yeah. But they weren't <laughs> like, you have to go to study. Okay. They're like, you have this freedom now, mm-hmm. but you have to take the SAT, SHSAT. Right. So. I think a, a crucial point to bring up for the, the entirety of the, this uh, uh, talk with you is uh, that your parents actually aren't the uh, you know average immigrants. Because I know your dad went to aviation high school, right? Right. Yeah. And then, I don't know, actually, I don't know your mom's background. My mom went to Flushing High School. Okay. So when did they come to the U.S.? Like, were they born here? Or did they uh, here? No, but they did come. My mom came when she was... Uh, eight years old okay my dad came here when she he was four okay so so basically they're like more or less culturally speaking they're uh, you know u.s natives yeah definitely okay, so that makes a huge difference in like a lot of the things that we're going to be talking about um so going into high school uh took the shsat you got into bronx science mm-hmm. in bronx science did you ever have a kind of draw to any direction in terms of school um not necessarily um uh, <laughs> i i would want to say that it was more science-based mm-hmm. which is true yeah, I mean, which it, is yeah specialized high school that's how they are mm-hmm. and it pushed me to want to be a health science major a little more um but overall i did find out my passions and who i am mm-hmm. in high school which is what helped me a lot with performing and stuff yes okay so how early did you start performing for those who don't know uh kenny's actually a very talented singer uh, <laughs> i'm flattered <laughs> So, how early in your life do you think, or, you know, was it high school that you really started getting into music and singing, or was it earlier on? Mm, yeah, um, earlier on, I used to sing a lot when I was, like, seven, eight, okay. right? So, my mom has clips of me singing at my aunt's weddings, mm-hmm. and I used to love it back then, and then when I was going through my puberty stages, I went through a point where... I was like, yeah, I was like, performing isn't that cool, like, singing isn't that cool, because a lot of people don't talk about right. it, they just talk about singing in the shower, right. so I dropped off for a bit, and then it, um, a couple of my friends, and especially musical theater in high school, brought mm-hmm. me back into the life, and I realized that the more I sang, like, it helps me with, lo- with a lot of like anxiety if I do have, or any time I'm unsure of myself, mm-hmm. 
It's, were you ever anxious when you performed, or was it when you performed? It was the opposite, and you weren't anxious. It was more of a comfort, uh, comforting feeling. It's always, it's always, it's always, it always, ca- it always causes anxiety. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, I feel like the the butterflies never never mm-hmm. end in the beginning right. of the performance, but the more that you're accustomed to it, the more you know how to deal with it, mm-hmm. and then you're like, shut shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I control you. You don't. Yeah, exactly. Me. Okay. Exactly. So coming out of high school, when was the first? you know, big performance that you did in high school that you think, you know, really kind of set the pace for you enjoying music the way you do? Mm. Um, <clears throat> it was actually my first musical, which was my freshman year. Okay. So of high school? Mm-hmm. Okay, it's really early then. Yeah. Okay. Um, I did West Side Story. Ooh. So, yeah, and I was Chino, so okay. Chino is the guy who, who kills Tony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Spoiler, no, but you should have seen West Side Story right now. I haven't seen West Side Story in a long time after we watched that movie. Yeah, it's great. It's a great musical. It's a classic. One, one of the classics. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, the reason why I fell more in, in love with the musical theater culture is because during my opening night mm-hmm. of my very first musical, uh, we had been practicing, and I'm supposed to shoot, like, Tony before he runs into Maria's arms. Okay. And during that scene, I had the gun up. Okay. And... He ran into her arms, so I was supposed to shoot him already. Mm-hmm. So it was his... Yeah, the sound people <laughs> fixed messed that? up. So <laughs> during rehearsals, I used to say boom, and I said boom mm-hmm. very low. Okay. Just to like clear my mind that it didn't happen, and, but my mic was on, and it echoed through the whole room, and everybody ended up like cracking up during the whole <laughs> And everybody on stage was... They were looking at me like trying not like, to what laugh. Would you do? Trying to keep character. Yeah, I just ran off because I had to <laughs> laugh like really hard. <laughs> but after that performance, everybody was like, uh, like. So you actually started doing like a legitimate performance, not like just musical performances first. Right. Yeah. Okay. So when did you start doing more on, on the musical side? You know, singing. That, that was completely like that? in college. Oh really? Yeah. So it wasn't early on at all. So mm-hmm. when was your first singing performance? Um. Actually, jump. This is jumping the gun. I wanted to ask more like originating question. Oh, but just, that's I'll okay. Just keep going with this. Yeah, my um, my origins kind of just meld together. Yeah, yeah. But uh, my first singing performance was in college with Goko with Vincent Goko. Really? Mm-hmm. Your first performance was with him. That that honestly that kind of blows my mind because I felt like you two were like started off separately and then mm. came together. I didn't know that Easy. because okay. um, I don't really have too much of an instrumental background. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know how to play guitar and piano, but not in a way that I could support myself okay. performance-wise. Right, right. And then when I met him, um, we just would jam so in sync. It was mm-hmm. just like a match. Just, yeah, just... <laughs> so I was That's like, cute. you have to perform with me. like, And then we did, did it together. So which was your first performance? Was it like a Rothergata or something? Or like a smaller venue? Um, it was a very small venue, okay. actually. I believe it was... Um, an event called Kamayan Night here. Kamayan Night. That sounds that sounds familiar. Um, it was our freshman year, and it's a Filipino United Student Organization okay, okay. event, and it's basically for Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. and you eat with your hands on banana leaves. Yeah, on banana leaves. Mm-hmm. Is that like like a ceremony? Yeah, uh, Kamayan means like eat with your hands, and then they okay. just put all the food on the banana leaves. Why banana leaves? I have no. <laughs> they just chose banana leaves. Yeah, I wish I could tell. You know what's crazy? This is really off topic, but is how many people are kind of stigmatized to eating with their hands. Mm-hmm. Every once in a while, like I've had food that I brought from home, or I've had, I make like kind of like cultural food, like right. Bengali food, and you know 
food like that and needs to be eaten with your hands. Definitely. Like, you need to mix like the curry with rice and dal, whatever it may be, to mm-hmm. really get the flavors in. Yeah. I'll be eating with my hands and people are like, yo, what are you doing? Like that's gross. So I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and it's like it's like you wash your hands. Like you can, yeah, it's, there's, there's nothing here. wrong with this. Definitely. But to them it's just like different. I, I don't I don't know. Mm, it's kinda weird. That. Yeah, that's weird, but then a lot of Americans eat burgers. And yeah, food, right. And wings, but you know, but like. technically it's 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 not the same because you're not really mixing things. You know what I'm talking uh, about? Like when you have like really cultural food, it's yeah, like, and then you have like, to get a little bit. Yeah, like, like there's like a lot of sauce or curry or whatever it may be. Mm. It's like if you saw someone actually, I guess it's kind of weird if you're coming from like an Italian background. Mm. It's like imagine seeing someone just eating like pasta, like with a handful of stuff. <laughs> that is that kind of looks weird. weird. <laughs> I don't know think about it. Interesting. <laughs> okay. Um, so you started performing in college. Um, when did you start getting like more serious with it, where it's like very freaking? Because because knowing you, I mean, from all that I can remember, you were pretty frequent with like your singing and performing mm. and stuff like that. Like it was a big part of your life from from what I remember. Right. So when did that happen? Because I, I don't think you know it was off the bat that it just kept you know happening like that. Mm. Um, after the first performance, actually, I I felt that. Uh, Vincent Goko's, call him Goko. Yeah, he's he's been on this. He, he, yeah, yeah. I, I wanted I him it. to be anonymous on the one that we had done, but then he just plugged himself. So oh, because like, he wanted to plug seven minutes, mm-hmm. which we'll get to. But um, you can just say Goko. Mm-hmm. I think people know. Yeah. Um. <laughs> okay. Goko, his his guitar skills are so refined mm-hmm. that it was so exciting to me to be performing with somebody like that who I could just say like hey, can you learn this song? Mm-hmm. Or he'd be like, hey, can you learn this song? And then it would just happen within the next day or half a day. He would learn it and then we'd jam to it. And it just got me excited about the performance mm-hmm. aspect of my life. So okay. after the first performance, I just dove right in. Really just like head first, just kept going for it. Yeah. Any opportunity I could get, I would sign up for. And um, now during the later years, it's the performances get a lot more frequent because... Mm-hmm. When people see us around and we advertise ourselves seven minutes, right? Um, they're always like, "Yeah, you know, you guys should perform. Can you guys perform right, here right. and here?" You and have like a little bit of notoriety to yourselves right. now. It feels right. good. That's awesome. <laughs> it feels good. <laughs> That's dope. So, um, I'm gonna kind of shift away. I go back to college now because I kind of skipped over a couple of things. Yeah, is um. So you said you were originally health science. So what was the reason that you chose health science, and then what was the subsequent reason that you ended up switching over to economics? Mm. Um. So, when I was younger in middle school, my grandpa passed away because of lung cancer, okay. and he lived rest with. Days. Sorry, rest, just rest in peace. Oh <laughs> yes, yes, definitely. And um, he used to live with us for his last couple of months when my mom would take him to mm-hmm. chemo, and he was just a very big influence on our lives because he was such a great man. Mm-hmm. He would like donate to his local temple that he went to, and everybody knew him. He was so nice and kind. And when he passed away, it was a very big deal for us. And I wanted to like become an oncologist and mm-hmm. study you know, cancer so that I can okay. help possibly with chemo or radiation or possibly find a cure right. because that was something that I was very passionate about. Yeah, cancer, cancer hits home hard. Uh, I know I have a friend who's a cousin's mom so his aunt yeah mm. uh had uh gotten breast cancer and like you know when he talked about it like he'd break up about it a little bit or like you know he i could feel like how, how much weight it had to it so I, that makes sense that it would you know completely drive your decision uh, yeah. to go towards oncology definitely um but you know you you switch later on so you know what had happened down the line 
Yeah, so um, college came around and life <laughs> hit. So um, I realized that I academically didn't put in enough time mm-hmm. into the subjects that I was learning. Um, so I would get by, you know. Right. Um, but I wouldn't wasn't doing top notch, and I feel like I would have been a poor doctor because mm-hmm. I didn't put in the time to be like, yes, like I'm gonna save lives, and this is what I have to do. So. I'm gonna yeah, get actually, my head in the game. I actually talked about uh, this with uh, Adam yesterday, who had one of his friends uh, is actually going to med- medical school. He got accepted his sophomore year, mm-hmm. saying that you know when you want to get into medical school, when you want to be a doctor, it's it's something that has to be. You have to be so driven and passionate to you know like you have to block out everything else in your life to an extent, because if you really want to get into med school, you have to be like the top you know five percent. Oh yeah, and you got to be different and all that. Yeah, stuff. yeah. You just have to you know want it more than everyone else, mm-hmm. and you have to put in so much hours. So it's understandable. Yeah, certainly. So I realized that wasn't what I was doing. So mm-hmm. you know, I do um, try to raise money. Um, during my sophomore year in college, I raised money for St. Baldrick's, which is an organization to help um, childhood cancer. cancer yeah. So yeah, I think you donated hair at one point too, right? You yeah, I, I raised the money so I could shave my head. Oh, okay, okay, that's what it was. Yeah, okay. um, and stuff like that I realize is something that you can do mm-hmm. rather than immersing yourself in it just because. Like you don't need to be the you, biggest influence, but you know every little bit counts. It makes a little bit of progress towards you know the greater good of things. Yeah, you right, still that makes sense. No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I got yeah. you. I got you. Okay. So, um, so I'm gonna go back to, to music now. So sw- switch it straight back. Sure. Um, so you know you're saying how school wasn't always your biggest thing. Mm. So you know performances you felt uh, you you had more of a drive towards it, right? So was there any point where, and you know this still applies now, where you felt like this is the passion that you should kind of pursue as a more of a career, or do you think it's more of a passion? Mm. Um, that actually came to me very recently. Okay. So I'd say... I mean, it's about that time we're seniors, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I was in gear to find out what I wanted mm-hmm. to do. But um, it was actually around last year, uh, maybe less than a year ago, mm-hmm. that I was um, up really late. I pulled an all-nighter. Until, Setting for a test? Uh, mm-hmm. what, what test was it? Oh, <laughs> uh, no. Um, I was at a party. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> if there are young kids out there, <laughs> but I was out the whole night, and then during the in the morning, I didn't go to sleep, and I went out to eat, and then mm-hmm. I started losing my voice. Okay. So, and then this was around the time when I was taking classes um, in the summer or the winter in, at Stony Brook in between sessions. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I had to drive, and every time I drive, it's an hour, mm-hmm. and I usually usually sing because right. that's what I do it. Because I couldn't sing, my car rides were so like, jittery. Oh. I did not know what to do. Oh. I felt so lost in mm-hmm. a way that you know I actually broke down one time because really? I was yeah I was trying so hard to sing because How I did thought you it lose was your voice that bad. What had happened that caused that? I don't know. I think it was the exhaustion <laughs> plus I don't know me yelling. Yeah. <laughs> the whole night. I don't know, but that yeah um, when that happened, I realized that. It was something I couldn't live without, right. and I vowed that if I did regain my voice back, because at the time I didn't know if I mm-hmm. would have it. Um, so wait, wait, when did this happen? It was like early, you said last year? Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Yeah, I realized that I would work on it and do something with it, because it's what keeps me grounded. Right. That's crazy. It's just like, you, 
you know, you never, what is it? I always, I suck at, anyone that watches any of these videos is going to realize how much I suck at saying. <laughs> um, you never realize what you have until it's gone. Right. Until you don't have it. Something like, yeah. I'm, I'm so bad at those. I don't know why. That's <laughs> part of my brain just doesn't function when it comes to those things. That was uh, right, though. That was right. <laughs> um, yeah, so, you know, when you, you lost the ability to do it, you realize, like, how much, you know, how important it is to your, to your being as a person, mm -hmm. uh, like, a central aspect of who you are. And, I mean, I, I guess, it, I mean, it goes to show, you know, that how true that is because, you know, one of the main reasons I, you know, wanted you on the show is because I know how big of a part uh, music plays in your life and how big of a part singing plays in your life. Mm, I see. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so I want to go into seven minutes now. Cause I, yeah. I know that Goko talked about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know that Goko talked about it uh, when he was uh, on the podcast. But you, you know, I want to get your side of it uh, mm -hmm. as to you know where it started and then kind of where you guys see it going. Mm. Uh, and you know, generally uh, the type of music you guys want to produce and you know where you wanted to kind of reach. Mm. Um, so it started off on a whim, very on a whim, because we, we had been performing together for about two years now, so this was around sophomore year, mm -hmm. and then we were kind of just making the joke, of, because we took a really funny picture, and we were like, haha, if we ever were to, because we already made like a song, so right. we were like, if we ever make, make a song or make an album, this would be our album cover, and it would be called this, haha, and then from there, it was like, oh, so, but then what will we put on it? Will we put... Kenny and Vincent or Vincent mm -hmm. and Kenny or are we a group so we ended up just um, forming the group first and then naming it after and we named it seven minutes because um, during our freshman year I lived dorm wise seven minute walk from him mm -hmm. and then that was when you were in H and he was in oh, that was when I was in, I was in Tabler you're in Tabler mm -hmm. okay right I forgot you started off at Tabler yeah and then when I did go to H I got my car mm -hmm. on campus still seven minutes and it was a seven minute drive <laughs> and back home we actually lived seven minutes away from each other There's so yeah. many coincidences yeah so we were like this has to be it this right. is us like seven minutes because every time we text each other that we're gonna uh, like se out. I'm seven minutes out. Like yeah. I'm, I'm coming in seven minutes. Oh, that's yeah. good. I love that story. It's it's a good one. Thanks. <laughs> but in terms of uh, you know the genre of music that you guys would produce, what what side do you think you guys fall more under in terms of like you know general category? Because I think you guys would fall under, and I don't know what category this is, but like you know like the like the whole like cover art category, of, mm. like, like William Singe, uh, with Connor Maynard, uh, pe people like that. I think you guys are more towards that. Mm. But obviously, I don't want to put the label on you for you. I see. Uh, so I don't know like you know what side do you guys think you would produce on. Yeah, um, I think the way we are right now, we do covers really well, mm -hmm. um, because again, Goko is so skilled. Right. right? But um, we do try to make our own music. But I see that a lot of the covers that we do perform, those influences meld into our style. So Goko listens to a lot of John Mayer, and yeah, obviously, if you've ever if you've ever met a Vincent Goko, there's a good chance he'll sing Gravity. Oh yeah, <laughs> or any anything. or any John Mayer. Honestly, if you're there's a couple months in a row where his car exclusively had John Mayer. I was just thinking about that. Yeah. <laughs> like if you went in his car, you're like, oh, is, is, is John Mayer about to come on? Is, am uh, I about to hear exactly. him? Exactly. <laughs> or like the whole album yeah. forever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Our his roomies know him best. You know? Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I do think it has more of that feel to it. I wouldn't be too sure what I would classify John Mayer as in terms of a genre right now. Yeah. Because okay. I feel like... He's a little bit of... He's a little mixed. Yeah. Uh, I think his new music has been a little different, I want to say. Uh, but I understand what you're trying to say. Yeah, it's, his I don't new know, music I, yeah, is like less poppy. Yeah. I don't know what category he falls under, actually. 
I think music is so so broad. It's such a spectrum. Yeah, I've actually. It's so tough. These yeah, days. recently I re-downloaded. Um, not really that. I made my own Spotify because I was actually sharing Spotify with someone, mm. and I deleted. So I didn't have my playlist. I don't have my playlist at all. The oh, one shoot. that I had previously on the Spotify. And then I thought to myself, I was like, I should just restart my playlist. And now that I restarted making my playlist and looking for music, mm. I've completely messed up my life. Uh, oh. <laughs> I, I need to spend all of my time looking for music now. Mm, I see. It's just, just, just so much out there. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I forgot about this song. Yeah. Because yeah. every artist has, you know, three to five albums. Mm. And then all those albums will have a couple of good songs you'll enjoy. Mm. So that means you have to listen to every person, every album. And then as soon as you start <laughs> going into, you know, another person, you find... Uh, features or something like that you're like, oh I forgot about mm, this person true. and then you look into them and it keeps going it's just a, a rabbit hole that you keep going down yeah definitely <laughs> like my my um, what is it my perspective on that is like I have a huge main playlist mm-hmm. and then I'll divide that one into sub playlists yeah that's, that's where I am right now because yeah. I have because you, you always have a mood you know what I mean like of there's course. some days you're like I want like, really chill music some days it's like I want kind of like rap music you know whatever it may be yeah but uh, having one really big playlist I always found myself just skipping the songs constantly mm, and yeah like, definitely at that point I was like oh, I'm so sick of this like I just I, I need something new yeah you could have like listened to a song in the time that in you the were time. skipping <laughs> the songs yeah um, yeah there's so much music out there and I feel like right now is one of I say yeah in the most recent years is one of the most creative times for artists because it's you know so easy to get your content out there uh, having things like YouTube and SoundCloud. I think mm-hmm. SoundCloud really changed the game. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, just talking about Jay West, who's, you know, trying to make it as a rapper. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he doesn't have to work through a record label to get his music to people. Yeah. And, you know, he's growing organically. People like his music, share his music. You know, I, you know, as often as I can, will share his song because I it genuinely enjoy it. I'm like, oh, like, people need to hear this. Like, this is awesome. Yeah. So, like, the power of social media now is it's crazy. If you really want it, like, you can you can go and get it. Yeah, it creates so much opportunity, mm-hmm. too, because everybody says the music industry is such a hard industry. Yeah. Obviously, if you want to make it somewhere. Because to be seen, that means you have to get through all of this bloat. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, if you think about uh, Russ, Russ is a really good example, mm. is that he kept putting out music, like, constantly. Yeah. Constantly, because... He knew that if he just kept doing it, eventually something would pan out. Definitely. Um, and I think that goes to show just like consistency is one of the most key things right now in the music industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, Goku and I do that a lot now. Uh, we're more focused on putting out a lot of our content and right. writing new songs because not only is that going to give us gateway into expanding 7 Minutes, but it's also it also helps us because our... Uh, writing skills get better, you know, um, our melodies, mm-hmm. we can create different melodies for songs. And it's kind of just because you have to, I think, for, you have to start it from scratch. So, you know, you have to feel every little aspect of it out and really fine tune it uh, on your own time. Whereas if you, you know, you do a cover, you kind of already have this blueprint. Mm-hmm. So it's not, you know, off, you know, as soon as you start, you, you already know that it's, you know, not what you have created. Yeah. Uh, it's you're working with a schematic that's already present right right and then you could put your own little flair to it or something so i've never asked you this is who's your main influence on music like your favorite artist or or, you know uh musician singer songwriter whoever may be uh that has influenced your kind of methodology to singing man that is a tough one that's a good (laughs) question that is a good question um because back then i used to like a lot of like whitney houston um alicia keys you know they're so great mm-hmm. but there are songs i can't sing too often so their style style is a little harder to like for you to actually be able to rep, uh, replicate right 
Um, but these days, I've been listening to a lot of Billy Joel. Billy okay. Joel is probably my top artist right now. And um, I've been listening to a lot of like, older artists like Elton John. Um, Louis Armstrong, too, is amazing. Okay. And Frank Sinatra. Classics. Yeah. Classics out here. See, that's another thing that I, I realized that I have never done in terms of my music interests is that I don't listen to enough like old school music, mm. classical music, stuff from, you know, to 20, 30, 40, however many years ago, just because there's so much music that's consistently coming out now, it's hard to balance with how much is, you know, in the past. Right. Yeah. Which I think, personally, it really differentiates someone who's very invested in music versus someone who's kind of invested in music. Mm. Um, like, for me, it's like, I am, you know, uh, I'm on a good playlist, I want to have good music, but at the same time, I don't go out of my way to find as much, you know, songs as I can and like invest in a genre and keep going down it mm, I see uh, so I think that really differentiates it just cause I don't have the full spectrum of music taste mm. that I think you need to be a qualified uh, musician mm, I see That's, that is an interesting point but like I look a lot for classic classic songs mm-hmm. and classic artists and I it's hard to balance like finding that and finding new songs today because right. I'm that's what I'm saying yeah <laughs> so I'm not so when I go to a party you know and everybody's like rapping along to Migos or somebody I'm like yeah I don't know what this song is <laughs> but I'm lit so it's okay I think that's I think that's okay some of the new songs that come out especially like Culture 2 that Migos just dropped when I listen to it and uh, there's someone else Haley was saying the same thing is that when she listened to it she uh, you know, put it on in the background, was listening to it, stopped paying attention for about 20 minutes, and then she didn't realize that the song changed. Oh, I see. Like, a lot of the music that's coming out now, it's, it's like, especially in rap, I think mumble rap is big, mm-hmm. but a lot of it is so fine-tuned to this mainstream direction Definitely. that you can't even differentiate some of the songs. Like, they're, they're great songs, you know, don't get me wrong. Right. But there are some times where an entire album will sound the same because they're just trying to produce as much music as they can. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's kind of sad, but... You know, it, it's. I think it's been happening more often recently. I don't know if it's a phase in music right now. You know, mm. uh, and it'll go up back to creativity. People like JUS that are going back to hard lyrics. Right. Um, but I, I really hope this like kind of mumble rap phase uh, fades away. Goes yeah, away. I mean, I think that music is kind of like fashion because it kind of it cycles off. Yeah, that's very true. If people, I mean, there's nowhere to go but up. But a lot of people, if up isn't doesn't look so great for them then they'll look back to the oldies mm-hmm. and then take those styles right to make another genre maybe okay that it's like an up and down yeah. yeah that makes sense okay yeah uh, i wish i was musically talented I no. do. Uh, it's i truly believe that anybody can be musically talented i, mean, I disagree oh, I, yeah. I think i think okay i think for it depends it depends on what form of musically talented mm. I think for singing you have to have a set amount of kind of predisposition genetically to be able to sing very well mm. coupled with practice over, over younger years to really master your voice Right. I think you can get good but I think to be the best you kind of already have to have it in you mm. um, and when it comes to instruments I think it's, I, I think anyone can but the mind is so much more uh, amiable I think is that the right word more mendable whatever Me- I think that's the right word. But, uh, oh, malleable. Malleable yeah. is the right word. Damn, man, I'm off today. I'm so tired. Um, <laughs> it's me too. Uh, mine's more malleable when you're a child. Like, Goko, for, for instance, you know, he started relatively young. 
and I mean he's a prime example of he, he can just pick things up very fast you mm, know there's a part of his brain that's already accustomed to learning music right. whereas someone like me you know I'm already 21 I've never touched an instrument or tried to learn one mm. it's so much more difficult it's, it's like learning another language that's I true. think that's like the best analogy mm. like you know when you're a kid like my sister's a good example she's five years old and I see her learning Bengali at home and English at the same time to her brain it's not learning a new thing it's just just doing things right right like, and like discovering the world yeah exactly mm-hmm. so when you're very young and you're learning whatever maybe singing an instrument you don't think about it like that you're just doing it mm. so I think it's a lot easier to um, kind of store the, the, the memories and uh, actually be able to do it in the long run mm. and take less time and be more capable overall I see but I could be wrong I think you could pick it up whenever also yeah, I mean <laughs> I, I do agree with your instrument point that the the older the that you get the more your brain is like systematic yes and um it's more structured to a set way because it's you know already taken 20 years to get accustomed to all this input that you've had Mm -hmm. and now you know it's not going to be used to you learning an instrument Mm -hmm. and when i look at music notes it's literally a different language to me because i look at it and it's like i have no clue what's happening Uh, so learning it means that i would have to learn from scratch you know every little bit every note and Yeah. yeah So just like a language where it's like, this is all new to me, mm. you know, learning every bit and piece is another step. It's the same thing with learning an instrument. That's so true. It's, it's a little bit, I think, uh, it's a little bit of an obstacle, mm. but I think you can overcome it if you really wanted to. Yeah. Uh, but the the thing about um, singing, I do think that everybody can sing. I it, don't think. Yeah. You have not heard me sing. You have <laughs> see, not heard me sing. See, uh, Coco's uh, heard me sing. He's told me I can't. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's he's, said, no, he, he hasn't said, he, I can't. I'm not going to say that because he's a positive person. <laughs> he, he has I said, like, like if that. I practice, I can get better. Mm-hmm. But I am relatively, I want to say tone deaf, but tone incapable. Mm, so, I see. I, I can't stay on a beat very well or whatever it may be. Mm. And it's. My voice is just isn't that good. It's not a singing voice. Yeah, but see, for singing, like, um, you're, you're, the way that you are born, um, will tell you how high your voice can go. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people, they can be a bass or, what is it, um, Although, like a tenor, tenor, okay. you know, or a baritone, mm-hmm. and those are the three. What's a baritone? Baritone is like the middle. You can't really hit high, okay. too high. You can't really hit, hit low. too low, but okay. you have a great like okay. mid range. And Who's a good example of a baritone then? I'm more of like a baritone. baritone. Yeah. Okay, um, that's what I was thinking, but I wasn't sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, I feel like when you're born, that's what gets dictated. Mm-hmm. But then um, it's all about your body. So your voice comes from your body. So it's mm-hmm. not another instrument that you have to perfect, mm-hmm. rather than your own self, because the way you breathe out through a note uh, really like through affects your diaphragm. Mm-hmm. All right, like your, through your diaphragm. A lot of Broadway people, when they hit high notes, they put it into their nasal mask, mm-hmm. which is over here, because that's where you could hit the higher notes. I didn't know that. Yeah, okay. and then uh, your falsetto is the really high, like, which, which is like really high up there. So it's all about where you move the voice through okay. your body, and the more confidence you have in that. I think that's a very crucial aspect of it as well, and I think you also, again, going back to, you know, if you started younger... Uh, and for you, it's a good example. You started at like seven or eight. Mm-hmm. So you have this uh, confidence. Even though you're anxious when you're on stage, I think you have this uh, pre-built uh, confidence, you know, in letting go and, you know, doing that. Because mm, I, I think to be a really good musician, you have to be 100% confident in yourself. Oh, yeah. Because you're really putting yourself out there, you know. Mm-hmm. And you have to be like crowd pleaser, you know. Yeah. Um, because it's different if you're just singing a song incredibly well without moving at all. Mm-hmm. And then nobody's into it rather than you sing it good 
but you get the crowd so hyped yeah. that they're like, I want to see this guy again. Right, right. And that distinguishes a good to bad performer. Because mm-hmm. I've uh, been to a couple of live shows. Um, like, Lupe Fiasco is very, very good at singing. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a very talented musician. Right. But when it comes to his live performance, I don't think his music was meant for a live show. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I could be mistaken. Uh, a lot of people could enjoy his shows. But personally, like, when I was at his live show, I felt like it was just, you know, not the best. Right. I uh, see. I prefer listening to him, you know on my headphones or you know through uh, quality speakers mm. uh, just because I think that's you know where his music is best yeah. uh, another good example is actually Justin Timberlake for the Super Bowl show mm. his performance was great but he, oh, couldn't, yeah. he couldn't you know sing his songs uh, while he was doing the dances right, and while right. he was doing all this you know fancy stuff because he was winded you know yeah. like, he, but at the same exhausted. time like you could tell he was a veteran of performing because yeah, he yeah. feels so comfortable and he yeah. shows because yeah, I was thinking the same thing when I watched his Super Bowl performance I was like man you know that yeah, he's been he's doing good. this for years and years he, he, he's someone that's I think I won't say underrated but a lot of people don't think about it but he's been around for decades oh yeah you know, he started at NSYNC he's been doing music for forever he was around during baggy clothes phase mm. if you look at the music video for uh, Rock Your Body he's wearing just like the baggiest like white thermal <laughs> shirt and like sweats and it's like the, the most like 90s music video you'll mm. ever see Damn. Uh, um, and then you you know he's still around making music. Yeah. Actually, I haven't gotten a chance to listen to Filthy, but um, I, I don't know. I think the style is a little bit different from some of the songs that I've heard. Mm. Uh, because I think he performed Filthy as the first song for the Super Bowl show, and it was more on like the like dubstepy side. Like, uh, I see. Which yeah. is weird because it was like not like modern trap, uh, you know, beats. It was more of like a, a mid two thousands dubstep beat, which mm. was really hard. Like, I think that phase kind of went away more recently so it, it was interesting but I, I have to listen to the album throughout yeah same same but I was thinking he's kind of like the male Beyonce you know start off yeah, in a group yeah yeah and then disconnected and then is just flourishing on his own yeah yeah Beyonce is also Beyonce is so talented it's oh, crazy yeah. she's one of my inspirations inspirations too. hell yeah ah, that's dope uh, yeah music is awesome um, it's okay so I'm gonna switch over for music now and uh, I'm glad you're willing to talk about this is I wanna talk about uh, you know being a gay man in 2018 mm-hmm. and I feel like you know having this conversation uh, there's so much weight to it like even me talking about it knowing you're okay talking about it I feel a little uncomfortable talking about it I see <laughs> just because like it's so like it's not even that like I you know have any uh, anything any stigma against it or you know I'm uncomfortable in the sense that like I don't want to talk about it it's just that I feel like society has made it stigmatized in a sense where it's like oh like it's not something you just talk about you don't just bring it up in conversation right. you know what I mean but it's a part of someone's life it's not a big deal and it's something that should be talked about openly because it's just something it's just like someone you know that just likes to you know play sports it's just right, something right. that they do like I don't understand why it's so difficult to have an open conversation about it mm. I'm glad that you feel that way though because having an open mind and be like wanting to have open conversations about it is what will help the it flourish yeah. into where we want it to yeah. go because I mean that's that's again this is one of the biggest reasons why I wanted to have a podcast and like record with people mm. is really open people's minds to how you know diverse the world really is and mm. how different people can be but still be on you know quote unquote normal scale of mm. individuality I love that um, that's like, awesome one of the persons I talked to he's a Bengali Muslim guy uh, you know, just like me, but he's a very active Republican. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, if you think about that, as soon as you think about it, you think that's wrong. Yeah. Like you know? It, and that shouldn't be the case. You think about it, it's like, oh, those things shouldn't go together. But when I was talking to him, you know, he, he brought up a statistic that even I didn't know. Apparently, uh, there's a larger amount of Bengali Muslim uh, individuals who are 
or I <clears throat> who are uh, Republican or identified as Republican, mm-hmm. and it's only more recent that that declined. And like I didn't know that. No, you know right. what I mean? I like you don't. You, yeah, exactly. Like you don't think about those things. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I want to go into kind of your you know upbringing and how that played in your life and mm-hmm. like your your family and all of that. And you know this is one of the reasons why I brought up like it's, I think it's really key that you know your parents were very young when they came to the U.S. I think they're they're probably more open and didn't you know bat an eye when it came to thinking about it. Mm. Uh, <clears throat> so you know like how that affected your upbringing and and when you kind of transitioned mm. and you know figured more about yourself as you grew up. Right. Um. Well, I did. I started. Like, I've had girlfriends before, mm-hmm. um, but that was in middle school, mm-hmm. um, which is when I was sort of starting to discover myself, but was in denial about it. So I never, like, really kissed them because <laughs> something in me just didn't want to Gross. be like, yeah, like, I want to make out with right. her. Okay, which, so is, that's, which is totally understandable because guys will feel the same way about right. guys. But the, the social, like, stigma made me think that, okay, having a girlfriend is good, though, right. you know? But... Um, I used to have, like, teachers and everybody, you know, who I thought were handsome. Mm-hmm. And then I started, you know, exploring that aspect of it. And it just ended up being what happened because I would feel these things, but my mind would mentally block them out. Like, right. My, Again, it's like that stigma from society. Mm-hmm. You, know, you being like, oh, what what is defined as, quote-unquote, again, quote-unquote, normal. You know, what is the, the most common occurrence is uh, straight you know relationship mm-hmm. yeah. and your mind even if you don't think about it like that as a child everything that society has kind of put into place it makes it more uh, possible or plausible for your mind to think oh this is right versus this is wrong yeah definitely um which kind of sucks but in a yeah. way that is just how history was for mm-hmm. so long i guess um and then i did meet some friends who made me realize that it was okay for me to not block out what I was thinking. So if I did think somebody was handsome, I'd be like, yeah, then he mm-hmm. is handsome, you know? Right. There's nothing I could do about it if that is how I feel. And then in high school is when um was a tough part of my life, I guess, mm-hmm. because it's where I didn't want to come out of the closet. Right. But I was already who I was, and I knew that I am gay. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to keep that from people so I would tell my closest friends um, but I never actually told my guy friends mm-hmm. until senior year of high school okay that's pretty that's pretty far down the, down yeah, the line <laughs> because I always worried because I always worried personally that if I did tell them then maybe you know like it, I mean no that's, it's, it would change a, a, a very understandable thing to keep to yourself because at the time you know, when you're in high school you're young you know and for a guy who was like I was a straight guy in high school, I was I was fucking confused. I was constantly confused about everything, mm. and you know, like I, I had the most like normal route. You know what I mean? Mm. In terms of again, air quotes, normal because mm. I don't want to say anything that will get people mad because everyone gets mad nowadays. <laughs> That's um, so true. Uh, but yeah, I you know I think it's weird because I, I feel as though with these conversations, you, people have to tread so lightly, mm. and especially with you know the more recent, so in the last let's say like you know two or three years with the uh, rise of the you know. LGBT community problems and such, I feel like it's so difficult to just talk about it mm-hmm. instead of uh, have it uh, one side versus the other, you know, debate. Right, definitely. And um, I actually, I, I got very lucky because my parents did grow up here and, you know, when they were in college, they knew, they 
gone to gay bars because you know one of their friends was working there they mm-hmm. wanted the support so they knew about it and it wasn't as foreign to them and they've had like gay friends before mm-hmm. of course they didn't really accept it when they first found out because um possibly religious back, back um, backgrounds or just cultural reasons i think it was more just a cultural reason but after a year they really settled into it very mm-hmm. well and my parents are very supportive of me because i mean just because i don't know just they're great parents. They're just, yeah they're, great parents. yeah but their support and their acceptance of of me mm-hmm. like when i told them really helped me because if you let your child know that you accept them they are it made me confident in who right. I am right. to the point where I felt like I didn't need to hide mm-hmm. and I could just be the best version of myself. Right. And that is what everybody should strive right. to do. And I think that's this I wanna, you know, zone in onto this this uh what you're saying right now is cause uh, recently on, on Joe Rogan's podcast I actually listened to um him talking about this this I think it was a mother or father who has been giving his three year old or not three year old eight year old child mm-hmm. I think it was a, a, a male uh, hormone blockers. Because mm. they feel as though they, uh, you know, identify more as, as a girl, right? And I think it's really, really, I don't want to use the word weird, but I think it's unintelligible to make these decisions at such a young age. Because, mm. you know, when you're growing up, you're trying to find yourself. Even if you're coming from any different, any other background in terms of sexuality, you're trying to find yourself. So that confidence, no matter what it may be, you need to find it within yourself. Definitely. It can't be an external uh, identification. Mm-hmm. And I think that is one of the biggest problems that the LGBT community has right now is this identification. And I, I, I don't know how to help the community in terms of co- combating that. I feel as though mm-hmm. the best way is to help the, the individuals rather than, you know, the ideology of just you know, being in the community. Mm, I see. Because that's true. Like, there is a group, the LGBT group as a yeah. whole, but every case is different. Exactly. Everybody's brought up differently exactly. and everybody feels differently. Yeah. So. Because, like, and I, I talked to this with, you know, a, a couple of people, is that there's always this large kind of voice from the community where it sounds as though no one's supporting anything that they're doing. But I've never, personally, I've never experienced anyone that is against, you know, the growth of the community mm. or you know the community living their lives as they should right um but i think there's a there's a small minority that you know keeps pushing this uh ideology of the group of mm. you know getting more saying getting their voice heard even more which and i'm not saying again i'm not saying <laughs> that their voice shouldn't be heard right uh, they should be heard but i'm saying it's like they're more focused on representing this kind of broad idea of mm. you know who they are rather than the individuals themselves. Right. Which is more important because the individuals will define who they want to be. Of course, yeah. I I agree with that too, though, because, like, me, I am a gay man. I'm also a singer, though, and I have so many other traits, I feel, that... Like, that's not the only thing that makes you who you are. Of course. You know what I mean? And that goes back to... And this is a really, you know, poor analogy. Is like, it's the same as someone who's just into something, like sports. It's just, Mm. like, a part of you. You know, it doesn't... It it is, like, a little bit of a defining characteristic, but it's not all you are, Mm. which is a a big thing, because I feel as though whenever the conversations come up and someone from the LGBT community is talking, it's like, that's the only thing that they're seen as, Mm. which is, again, like, the wrong way to go about it. I think, you know, the, the... the support, like you said, with your parents, the support needs to come internally, uh, and that's I think the best way to further 
uh, the community. Mm, I'm like really struggling to not mess up my words here. Oh, no, I don't want to hurt anyone. Yeah, on yeah, the yeah <laughs> No, I think that that was a really good like explanation too. And um, I feel that a good way to combat this like identity and group versus individual is that a lot of people say, all right, so let's say that the majority of people, the reason why homosexuality is taboo is because it's not normal, mm-hmm. right? So if it's not normal, then we should try to normalize it. Right. And the way I do that is that I don't put, um, I try not to put my sexuality at my forefront. Like, right. It is right. because it's not just who I am. So I put like my best qualities, like ev- everything like, like on the table. Else. Yeah. yeah. Um, and show people that I am very diverse and I am like accomplished right. in what I do. And then if they do ask, oh, are you gay? I'll be like, yeah, I am. And, yeah, and like, oh, you wow. don't care about it. You know, it's just, right. again, like it's just a part of you. Mm-hmm. Then I think that individuality is the most important thing that a lot more people need support in. Um, you know, because from what I know, statistically speaking, the LGBT community has a very high uh, suicide rate. Mm. And, you know, I don't know how much of that is correlated to actual, uh, you know, negative criticism from individuals who don't understand the people in the community. Mm. Or how much of it is just not understanding themselves, having mm. an internal kind of struggle, finding themselves as people. Um, and that support, I think, again, in, you know, it can't just be like a hormone blocker. It can't be something trying to change who they are because at the end of the day, you know, they have to find themselves for themselves. Mm-hmm, right. And I think the, the highest suicide rate, too, is like I have been through points in my life where, um, especially in high school, when I thought that people knew I was I came out of the that I was gay, mm-hmm. but I didn't tell anybody. And it's, well, I told one person because I was helping him with his uh, struggles because mm-hmm. he was also um, homosexual. Mm-hmm. And you see, like, like, I just want to put this out really quick because, mm-hmm. like, just the way, like, the word has weight to it, like, the how you said it there is, like, homo, homosexual. Yeah, like, so you know, for you me. Kind of str- like, even for you, like, I don't, I don't understand why, like, the, the these words need to have this weight to it. Mm. Like, it, it's not fluent in our language. Even for us, you know, we're born in the U.S., we don't give a flying fuck what anyone does. Right. But it still affects, you know, the way we think about it because we're, sc- there's a part of us that's scared to say something wrong all the time. Mm. And that takes away from being able to talk about it. Yeah, that's true. But and, yeah, keep going. Sorry, I cut you oh, off. Oh, no, it's okay. <laughs> so um, after I had helped him, he told his friends who then told other friends. So people had been asking around if mm-hmm. I was gay. And it got me so, at such a weird and depressed state. Mm-hmm. Only, like, I know that I shouldn't hate who I am, but at that time, I was younger. I was in right. high school. And just feeling like everybody was talking about me and who I was when I wasn't ready to let people know who I was really got me into a weird place where I didn't want to be seen and I couldn't look people in the eyes Mm -hmm. and it was really hard for me. Yeah, and people shouldn't have to deal, especially at such a young age, no one should have to deal with that because there's already so much, there's so many many things that can make you upset Mm -hmm. at at a young age because, you know, you're hormone-driven and confused. Mm -hmm. So that only adds to it and makes it worse. Yeah. Right, and it's like having a third arm. Like yeah. everybody sees it there, and like they won't ask you to your face. Like, is that a third arm? But they'll they, ask their friend. They know, hey, sorry. is that a yeah. third arm? <laughs> Which it was. It was. It's what happened a lot in high school for me. Yeah. Um, a lot of my best friends in high school, like Kathleen Ho, mm-hmm. um, people used to ask her all the time if I was gay. Right. And nobody asked. Honestly, nobody asked, asked you me if I was gay. Okay. Yeah. 
to, um, again, that goes back to people are scared to talk right. about it. Like, and I was the type of person where if you did ask me, you I would have told, yeah. I would have told you yeah. because I'm okay with it. Yeah. You know? But in a way that just makes it seem more of like a secretive thing that you don't exactly. want to let out exactly. rather than something that you can just openly yeah. share. Yeah. And yeah, I, I think that's something that needs to change. Uh, I think hopefully our generation gets better at changing it, but the way things are going, uh, it's kind of difficult. Uh, people are, are struggling with having open conversations like this. I think that's why I love uh, Rogan's uh, podcast is that, you know, everything he discusses is unbiasedly mm. uh, true in, in a sense. You know, mm. he, he discusses statistics, he discuss, discusses anecdotes, and he tells it from all sides mm. and gives a big picture. Um, but yeah, I think that's crucial um, to support the community in this sense, more on an individual level than uh, you know, as a whole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I, I do see a lot of progress in our society, um, which is a good thing um, my, in my personal experience mm-hmm. because um, I am part of a social fraternity, right. an Asian social fraternity, and my fraternity is really hyper-masculine. They're like yeah. manly men, you know? <laughs> so uh, they're like, hoo-hoo, like looking out <laughs> and stuff. And but before I joined them, I was worried because... right. I didn't think that a gay guy would be accepted or maybe he'd get a lot of shit Mm -hmm. you know or people wouldn't be as close with him but there's so much acceptance and love in my in my fraternity Mm -hmm. everybody who comes up to me they will straight up ask me like because um, they've heard around and they're like oh you're Kenny you're the gay bro yeah yeah I am (laughs) and I think that's how it should be yeah yeah and I think that's great Uh, I'm like the first openly gay bro in my fraternity so history made history yeah i hope so but the fact that people can come up to me and ask me and be like how is how is your experience here Mm -hmm. because they know that our like fraternity is so close and loving that makes me very happy right okay it's a yeah so you know that's goes to show you know there is progress being made and i'm happy to hear that uh so i just want to wrap it up with uh, a little summary of everything that we talked about is uh so what is your future kind of endeavors when it comes to music uh you know your passion with singing and all of that uh, in terms of school, like, you know, if, if you plan on getting a career after your economics degree, uh, graduating in May, and then uh, just kind of, yeah, a little bit of, a little bit of both. Mm. Yeah, um, so I recently found out that I would want to do something in the music industry, right. um, after that whole fiasco with the yeah, voice yeah. thing, <laughs> so um, I do want to do something in the mu- music industry, possibly talent search, um, or something more along the lines of data analysis which would correlate more with my major Mm -hmm. but I am open to anything in the job field in terms of the music industry like I've been looking at a lot of jobs at Spotify and Warner Music Group Sony Music Group because within those corporations there are so many sub um, categories that need to be filled that I feel like I can and also on top of that, you'll get, you know, direct first-hand uh, kind of connections. You can talk to people who are working in these industries mm-hmm, and, definitely. you know, kind of just slide them like, hey, like, you know, you want to help me out? Yeah, you know, trying to, trying that's to actually the end goal. <laughs> that, um, I do have a goal where, because I sing a lot in public, mm-hmm. that when I'm working, I'll just sing and they'll be like, wow, that's, that's what we need right now. Like, what's your name? Like, you know, okay. maybe have it like That's awesome. And um, just uh, kind of the future of seven minutes, uh, just... You know, plug yourself because I think, again, one of the main premises of this is people trying to do things. So, yeah. you know, what you guys see for yourselves for as a as a duo and kind of what you plan on doing in the upcoming months. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, 
Goku and I have been talking about actually releasing a small album, so like an oh, EP, okay, okay. Uh, which is really exciting. We, yeah, I'm, very, I'm pretty excited. Yeah. That sounds dope. Thanks. Um, yeah, so that is where we want to go. That's like the first step, the mm-hmm. preliminary step. And then from there, when we do have winter and summer breaks, it's hard to expand more than the campus community right yeah. now because we are in college. But we do try to go to a lot of open mics in, mm-hmm. in the city. Um, you guys went to this, like, interesting... I don't know if you were there, but this, like, interesting, like, jazz bar once, I think. Mm. It was, like, very low-key, but, like, I could see you guys being there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, we did go to, like, a bar... I forgot what it was called, but it was right near us, mm-hmm. actually. And we did an open mic there, right. and all the musicians, they, like, performed with us, not knowing what songs that we did. They just really? knew, like, the chords, in a way. Were they, like, really old, like, yeah. you know, tenured people in oh, the yeah. music industry? Oh, yeah, but they are incredible. And that type of stuff just drives me more. It's so invigorating. Mm-hmm. And I think that I would want to start off, to uh, that 7 Minutes would want to start um, doing more open bars and getting your name out there because after we did that open bar, we got, like, a business card and stuff. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's, that's dope. That's, that's just cool. Yeah. So it's always nice to know that what you're doing is like validated right right and seeing progress seeing mm-hmm. you know the gradual growth and uh you know like we said about like social media and how it kind of is, is easy to get your name out there like just seeing progress over time definitely uh, it's so crucial mm-hmm. um yeah that's I'm, I'm again i'm very happy that you you know came on to thank talk you thank me. you so much for having me by the way no dude without a doubt yeah. this is a lot of fun <laughs> um talked about a lot of important things i think um, I'll link the seven minutes face- you guys have a Facebook page right yeah so mm-hmm. I'll link the Facebook page I'll link do you guys have a YouTube channel no right we don't we have Instagrams though we have Kaka individual Instagrams Instagram. yeah, Instagram. I think you guys can make a, a co-Instagram but that I'll, is what I was thinking I'll, too. I'll link the individual Instagrams so you can hear this beautiful man singing and then my older roommate Goko uh, he'll have instruments and stuff um, he does was it Sec what's his name backwards no Secola Secola um, sec- yeah yeah Anyways, he has his own Instagram where he does uh, kind of instruments every day. He does a little bit of uh, uh, something every mm-hmm. day. He changes. I don't even know how to describe yeah, it. Yeah, he has different a lot. Every day. He has some great stuff on yeah. that channel. But uh, so I'll link both those Instagrams. I'll link the Facebook page. Uh, check them out. They're a lot more talented than I am. Um, yeah, thanks for listening. I hope someone gets something out of this, especially someone who's in high school or you know someone in early college who is kind of questioning you know who they are, where they are, and where they want to go. Mm -hmm. But all in all, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, Peace out. Thank you.